Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The domestic season returns this weekend with the Community Shield and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last and goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Danny Baker's own goals and gaffes, or Nick Hancock's football nightmares? What are the criteria for the ultimate own goal? Whatever happened to Peter Devine? And has anyone ever watched Yuri Geller's soccer superstitions? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Access to The Athletic is currently free for 30 days. Go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. I'm joined this week for a rather bizarre trip down a very cult memory lane. First of all, by Jack Pitbrook, who boasts that he can recite Nick Hancock's football nightmares word for word. Hi, Jack. Hi, Adam. I'm not sure I could do it word for word like in a controlled environment but having watched some of it on youtube earlier i did feel like i always knew what was coming next that's good to hear alongside you on the other hand we have nick miller who claims to have an encyclopedic knowledge of own goals and gas yeah it's the hello um the the (laughs) the pre-twitter danny baker in his purest form well the first own goals and gas came out in 1992 so another Bit of ammunition for football didn't football wasn't invented till 1992 brigade of which I am a proud part because of course how can we possibly say that football discourse existed before own goals and gas Nick? Well, quite yeah. I mean, there's a throughout going throughout the film is a strong riff on the what uh, Danny Baker calls the disgraceful new passback rule, which really <laughs> kind of you know really obviously dates the thing. So. As a genre as a whole, we should attempt a kind of brief history of the of the football blooper video slash DVD. I feel like this is the only word in the context I would ever use the word blooper, so I'm going to use it repeatedly throughout this episode, Jack. Is it fair to say that football comedy DVDs, or at least at the top end, uh, if, if we can actually say that, are as enlightening, as wholesome, and as, as fulfilling as, as good football videos, like goals videos? You know, should we celebrate mistakes and and comedy moments in football just as much as thrilling excitement? I think so. Yeah, like I would never. I have no memories from childhood of owning like a. I don't. I don't think I owned best goals ever videos or would have watched mm. them. Whereas I had a few of these, and, what, and me and my friends would watch them all the time, and they would. They would always be really, really funny. And like, bad football is great. Like you know, yeah. that is very much evidenced by the existence of Twitter accounts like Crap Nineties Football or whatever. Exactly. And people people love watching 
bad own goals, bad misses, that sort of thing. It's brilliant. I guess it is by definition quite lowbrow because you have to present it in a kind of silly way, Nick. But clearly there there was and perhaps still is a market for this kind of thing. But I guess we we should really kind of establish what the golden era for this was. And I feel like you're on board with this, that it probably is the early iterations of Danny Baker's own goals and gaffes. In its very purest form. And, you know, hats off to the sort of marketing genius who essentially saw that and thought, well, let's just do that again every Christmas with someone else hosting it and, you know, we'll we'll make a tidy profit. I mean, obviously the... The genre got kind of absorbed by commercial interest in the end, and it was you know every man and his dog brought out a DVD in the end. But when I when I say that this was kind of the purest end of the genre, it it was just the tone in which Baker kind of delivered his take on football. Um, his little clip to give a taste of of how the whole thing was kind of framed. Hello, football supporters. At least I presume you're football supporters, and you better be if you want to get the full maximum joy and entertainment value out of the extraordinary tape you're about to see. I've wanted to make this tape for ages. I'll tell you why. It includes a revolutionary thought, and that is, they're no good. None of them. Your team, my team, they're not actually very good. And yet, every time they put out the videos from their clubs, I go and buy their videos and it convinces us that the season we've just had, well, it had its ups and downs. The fact we finished rock bottom and didn't win a game from Christmas onwards and finished with an amount of points that wouldn't have stopped us from driving, well, that's neither here nor there. It had its ups and downs. Well, no, this is a celebration of those moments when we can actually say to each other, they're no good. Footballers are stupid, irrational creatures, and we waste our money on them. No harm there, is there? Now, Nicky, he flirts so close to kind of, oh, the beautiful game territory here. You know, the kind of vague football sentiment that we're all kind of very familiar with. But he kind of drags it back by just saying, you know, football, we should celebrate its its rubbishness as well. And that and that's at the heart of own goals and gaffes quite clearly, isn't it? Yeah. And that I mean, not to sort of over intellectualize this, but that seems to be more sort of relevant today than ever when, you know, football is sold as this kind of very sort of expensive commodity and yeah. the, the the kind of implication is that the people who are paid however much money they're paid are worth that money when you know they are fallible human beings like <laughs> the rest of us and they are entirely capable of doing entirely ridiculous things jack i know you're an own goals and gaffes agnostic so i'm not i'm not going to pin you into a corner with this one but um I feel like you're a good blank canvas to take you through the extent of the own goals and gaffes universe uh, as it, as it seems to be first of all did you know that there was a home alone five no no i didn't yeah, uh, so the first two are obviously canon. There was a there was a third with a different actor. Then there was a fourth, which just needs no comment whatsoever. And then there was Home Alone Five, which I think went straight to TV, and it was called Home Alone: The Holiday Heist. The theory being, I guess this is some sort of pheno- phenomenon. Really, there's always one more in a franchise than you ever think there is. So here here is the own goals and gaffes universe. Own goals and gaffes. Then then he, then Danny Baker did Right Hammerings in 1993. Then he got round to a sequel, Own Goals and Gaffs 2, of course. Then there was the fabulous world of freak football. Then Own Goals and Gaffs, the Premiership, which I think was Rory McGrath. I'm not sure. And then 2003, Rory McGrath's More Own Goals and Gaffs. Now, at this point, we should take a pause and just admire. This was the moment where the franchise really took its grandest departure from what Danny Baker could ever have intended for it, just in this opening song. Gaps and goals, goals and gaps. You call that football, you're having a laugh. Gaps and goals, all around. You'll never win a match with 
So, Jack, amid all the clown sounds and what seems to be non-ironic um, singing about own goals and gaffes, what are you detecting here? Are you detecting any any kind of sense of, of critical distance here at all? Sorry, as good as that song was, and it was good, I was just trying to find out other franchises of which there have been more than anybody would have expected. And I just found out on Wikipedia there were, in fact, eight American Pie films. <laughs> Uh, um, I think only American Pie, American Pie 2, American Wedding, American Reunion, American Pie Presents Bandcamp, American Pie Presents The Naked Mile, American Pie Presents Beta House, and American Pie Presents The Book of Love. Uh, Uh, That's at least two more than I would have expected. Yeah, it's a a franchise to rival own girls and gaffes. Uh, That song was amazing. Like, uh, as you say, like getting football banter that was also non-ironic is a, a ship that has long sailed so this is it feels like very much a uh, something that belongs to the 1990s yeah nick it, it was kind of sad to see the franchise sail into the into the early 2000s because uh, we've we've heard that absurd song that baker would never have signed off in the early days um roy mcgrath's more own goals and gaffes came with the tagline non-stop footballing insanity <laughs> it's uh, it, it's kind of the, the sort of antithesis of the original that it was the original was kind of resolutely low concept there was no there, were, there weren't any there weren't really any uh, opening titles there was certainly no music and certainly no music that was uh, and I use the word composed very loosely <laughs> composed especially for the film it sort of feels like do you know that there was a um, there was an American remake of Spaced which didn't really have anything to do with with uh, Simon Pegg or Edgar Wright or any of the people involved in the, the original and the, you know they, they apparently were absolutely horrified with how or, uh, unbelievably awful it was and I, I, I assume that Baker is very much in the the peg role there. The franchise did limp to a very sorry end. We, we just for completest reasons we should we should we should touch on this. There there is a six year gap after Roy McGraw's more own goals and gas, which I think says 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 it all to be honest. But in two thousand and nine, Danny Baker came roaring back with the glorious return of own goals and gas, which wasn't. Uh, as glorious as it as it claims, uh, but the same year, and, and this is where the kind of franchise starts to eat itself and bend its own time. The same year, two thousand and nine, Johnny Vaughan fronted Own Goals and Gaffs three. You can't claim to be the the the, the threequel in this. I just, I, how dare he? How dare he do that? Um, but but yeah, I can't think of anyone more suitable in the year two thousand and nine than Johnny Vaughan to kind of shamelessly attempt a third own goals and gaffes. It sort of feels like that when the, the, there was a, a Dumb and Dumber film about a sequel out a couple of years ago that was like twenty five years or something after the first one, and you just sort of think, who is calling for this? Where, where, yes. What? Where was the meeting in which they they kind of said we, we we need a sequel? We really need a sequel to capitalize on the success of the first one. Well, encouraged by that long franchise, there was of course. Well, I guess this is. Jack, this is a kind of a Ronaldo versus Messi situation. Oasis versus Blur, EastEnders versus Coronation Street, because you're here to talk us through Nick Hancock's Football Hell, Football Nightmares and Football Doctor. Yeah, so these videos were a a big, big part of my childhood, particularly uh, (laughs) Nightmares and Hell. Um, So Football... football Football Nightmares, I think, is the best one, and that it, it it and what it has that a lot of these don't have is like a really clear narrative structure in around which all the funny clips fit. So in this case, it's Nick Hancock trying to get from 
his home, which I believe is in South London, to a Stoke City home game. And he's meant to get a lift from his mate Steve, and then his mate Steve lets him down to go to a garden centre with his girlfriend. And he eventually has to try, he tries to hitchhike, and then he ends up in Stoke Poges. And uh, then he get, and then is he that how it's to- pronounced? Oh, I think so. I don't know. I've never been <laughs> I just there. assumed Pogues. Oh, God. No, I think on the show they say it's Poges. Oh, but God, I, it I, might I, be I feel Pogues. So, I feel such an ignoramus. Um, but, we actually we have um, Nick Hancock's laboured intro to Football Nightmares, um, which, is just, which is him just before he starts hitchhiking on this epic journey to Stoke Poges stroke Pogues. And let's hear it. So it's more surreal than Baker already. You always get you get the sense of a kind of concept album feel about it straight away. Eventually, he starts talking. Welcome to Nick Hancock's Footballing Nightmares. This is not a video for the faint-hearted. Collected here are some of the most laughingly spine-chilling, stupidly bowel-churning moments ever to have taken place on the world's football pitches. Because you see, football is very rarely a dream. So, Jack, first of all, as we try and play these two kind of series off against each other, is it kind of fair to say that that Nick Hancock's take on this in this sort of side of football was a little bit more bitter, a little bit more cynical than Baker? Baker was was verging on a celebration of football shitness whereas Hancock really really wanted to stick the knife in yeah I'd, I'd say so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism of this general state of football in the mid 90s there there's famously when he gets to the ground he finds out that the game's been he says the game's been moved for satellite television in Tonga at uh, <laughs> three in the morning which is funny but it, you know one thing that we have seen in the Premier League in the last year or two is that games games that are not shown on British TV do nevertheless get moved into into TV showing yeah. slots for abroad. Like, you know, the decline of the 3pm kickoff is proof of that. And then in Football Hell, it's basically exactly the same theme. And it opens with this kind of... sort of The first five or so minutes, he's running through things that he doesn't like about football. And I actually note them down because it is just the most... It's the most perfectly situated 1996, 97 <laughs> list of complaints. Like if, if, if anybody, it. if anybody is listening to this under the age of 25, you will probably have no idea what this is on no, about. No, no, the demographic, the, the, the metrics don't point that out. So we're okay. Yeah. We're safe. Okay, few. Well, fortunately for those of us born in 1988 or before, this is perfect. So it opens with Gareth Southgate's p- missed penalty against Germany. Then there's mm. jokes about David Meller, Anton Deck, oh. Alan Ball. Injury time at Old Trafford, Wimbledon moving to Dublin, David <laughs> yes. James being shit, Andy Gray's virtual reality computer, John Jensen's hair, Ron Atkinson's cufflinks, Lindsay Dawn McKenzie and Jarvis Cocker, oh, and no. three separate jokes about Ian Dowie being ugly. Oh, God. God, that is such that is such mid-90s football banter before even the B word existed, Nick. I feel, I feel like the, these videos, that they are... They are required by law to, to cover certain tiny little aspects of football that that some people might chuckle along along at so 
ugly footballers, footballers with dodgy hair, that sort of thing. Yeah, and injury. I mean, injury time at Old Trafford is the 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 perfect ninety piece of nineties football. But I guess history has, has has come full circle with that. I mean, Jack Jack has mentioned how you know football games are still moved for satellite TV purposes, but yet we are now talking about Manchester United getting a, a an. A surprising number of penalties uh, in 2020. So perhaps, perhaps this kind of discourse has come full circle, which is quite comforting in a way, isn't it? Yeah, in some in some respects. Has anyone come up with a similar <laughs> sort of pithy, sort of Fergie time esque thing for the for the penalties? That's where that's when I think it, it really becomes part of the lexicon when there is a a phrase that you identify with it rather than uh, just oh, you know you get loads of penalties, don't they? Jack, as as this kind of genre kind of started to unravel, uh, and I suspect Nick Hancock's Football Doctor, which was the terrible third instalment of the series, probably was the moment where that really began to happen. The conceit was he was a doctor, and I think he was fixing the health of football. I, I just don't know. I refuse to watch it. Um, but after that, it just became an exercise in in trying to sum up silly football in the vaguest way possible so the cover art for all of these dvds for example was sort of lots of gurning celebrities holding up generic footballs on the back of really bad photoshopped backgrounds with a goal in the background like a goal net and um and sort of vague madcap taglines like 65 minutes of just mental football in my head in, in my head they were they were all being hit in the face with a football as well yeah yeah at some point someone gets hit on the head um, by a ball thrown by a work experience kid off camera um, but but there are there are obvious there, there are kind of bread and butter aspects to pretty much all of these DVDs, Jack. And and the first of all that is is own goals. Own goals are the lifeblood of every single one of these DVDs. If own goals didn't exist or own goals weren't allowed in football, then I don't think any of these offerings would ever happen. So what what makes an own goal such such an inherently entertaining aspect of football? I think own goals are probably more probably better than misses in the sense that most bad misses conform to certain types of patterns whereas with own goals there's kind of more I feel like there's more variety amongst bad own goals like so Jamie Pollock is very different from Gary Sprake those are the two. Those are the two names that I wrote down when I was thinking about my favourite own goals ever. You know what's going to happen, but you don't know how it's going to happen when the clip starts, and that's what makes it so cool. Absolutely, I think Nick. I think it's fair to say that there isn't the same level of debate around own goals as there are about great goals. I mean, if if you ask the random football fan what the, what the greatest goal ever scored was, you'd probably be you'd be guessing from a small pool of goals, probably Van Basten onwards. But when it comes to own goals, you can have all sorts of. I feel like there's no definitive answer to this, and. Uh, we we spoke about in, in a goals episode many many months ago about what the criteria are for for deciding what a great goal is. What's the criteria for a great own goal? What what are the hallmarks of a great own goal? It helps that it's if it's something completely inexplicable. So hmm. for example, your Lee Dixon scoring from scoring an own goal from the halfway line, where he yeah. just sort of he seems to be looking up for a standard ball up front, and then for for reasons not clear, turns around and chips his own goalkeeper. Yeah, this is the fundamental point because I, I feel like the threshold for a good own goal is is how how avoidable the situation was, and that and that's roughly analogous to a great goal. Um, the criteria being how complicated it was to achieve. So that's that, that's where they kind of tally up. So a great own goal should be something that never ever should have happened. I'm not talking about sliding in at the, front, at the near post to try and block across. That's boring. We're talking about own goals that there's just no way that 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 player would ever do it again. I think the other type of great own goal is you're just basic slapstick. So you've got Chris, Bar- Chris Brass 
mm-hmm. volleying the ball into his own face and uh, yes. it going in, or that one where the guy somehow hoofs the ball into the top corner of his own net. Oh, Wayne Hatswell. Yards out. Yeah, uh, who Wayne was that? Hatswell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wayne, Wayne Hatswell. Right, okay. Yeah, the, these are names who, um, I mean, slightly unfairly in some of these cases. I mean, Wayne Hatswell, if you Google him, you'll see the first result that obviously comes up will be the goal that he hands into the top corner and and what the other the other kind of video result you'll get is him hammering a 35 yard free kick in at the right end so uh, for a player to have to be known for two such great extremes is 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 quite lovely so i i hope he hope he goes to his grave remembering his more glorious moment than than anything else chris brass is the same a well respected defender and probably coach and manager and yet he will be known for hammering the ball into his own face um Jack, I feel like this, this this same debate extends to 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 bad misses. I mean, you you say that own goals are more entertaining than, than bad misses, but there, there is still criteria to be applied to what is the worst miss of all time, isn't there? Yeah, I suppose so. I imagine it would be. I mean, it's hard it's hard to get away from proximity. The ones which look like physically difficult not to score are probably the best ones. It's usually like a whipped cross from out wide, and then a player slides in, and then somehow it hits his knee or whatever, and then goes so high. So kind of extremely up in the air as to not go in the goal. There's a great section at the start of Football Hell where he runs through great players and bad misses. There's an, there's an Alan Shearer one. There's a John Barnes one from a Manaman Cross. There's a Steve yeah. Bruce one at the far post at QPR, which I think is from a, either a Cantona or a Giggs Cross from the left, where he's almost right in front of the goal. It must have hit a bobble or whatever, and Bruce, Bruce manages to lift it over the bar. So I think those are probably the most entertaining ones, particularly when you know the player involved. Nick, there are sort of some other kind of hallmarks of these videos, um, which become rather more tenuous as you go down the list, but, um, but nevertheless are still quite inherent in terms of bloopers and gaffes and blunders and rickets which are which are words i never say out loud and only ever hear in football but um things like animals on the pitch that's that's the real kind of that's i think i feel like that's the lowest rent content you can have on these dvds uh, similar to referees being chased off pitches in far-flung leagues the animals on the pitch of course sort of reached the nadir i don't know probably six seven years ago when <laughs> yes. if there was a cat on the pitch a Twitter account <laughs> called the Anfield Cat or whatever it w- would be would would be would appear yeah. within minutes. Yeah, Twitter um, killed the appeal of an animal on the pitch. Yeah, and and, and I don't know. It, is it, I don't really understand the. I mean, the, the, the it, it, what is it about the animal on the pitch? Is it just that oh that shouldn't be there? That's unexpected. Yeah, why is that? that? That's it. Sort of players desperately trying to remove that animal um, extends the extends the comedy even further. Uh, things well, that I feel like on- one stretcher one stretcher has been dropped. In in sort of a second tier league every year since 1992, purely for the purposes of being on on a funny football video. Comedy 21 man brawls, but only when they start getting very very funny, like it all when it's just all karate kicks. That, that's the threshold at which they they qualify for this sort of thing. But Jack, can you imagine having the job of sourcing all this footage for for a mid 90s VHS? Because it, in one sense, it sounds like a really terrible boring job, but in the other. We have to remember this was pre-internet, pre-YouTube. All of this stuff was gold. No one would know about it. So in terms, it was actually quite high value content in that sense. Yeah, yeah, it was high value content. And that I think is, we might come on to this later, but that I think is the real is the real point of why these things were so big and now they're not, is that mm. it was mm-hmm. the only it was the only way. If you were nine years old in 1997 and you wanted to watch some bad football, you had no mm. option but to get your dad to buy you this for Christmas and then <laughs> sit, <laughs> sit down in front of it to watch all the own goals. It must have been like, I, I, I'm not sure if I mean this, now I'm going to say it. I would, like to, <laughs> to, to, I, I would like to talk to the people who made them and find I'd love out, to. did they actually sit and watch and watch through like thousands of Belgian league games trying to find them Wait, this exactly. in one yard? That sounds incredibly labour-intensive. 
where do you start? I have no idea. Did they all share? I, I imagine that all these videos shared a pool of clips, and that like yeah. one clip would have would have occurred in almost every single one. Because it's not like people are going to say, "Oh, you know, I've seen I've seen that own goal before." But I don't know how else they would have got access to <laughs> the same to the same footage. I'm picturing like a bidding war, like for broadcasters for for actual Premier League games. Like, okay, you can you can have football league action from the last five years you can have anything from 1950s to 1980s you can have sort of generic european action where you don't actually have to specify where what was happening and who and where (laughs) even if you do recognize some of the faces it's just random stuff from europe this podcast is brought to you by manscaped the expert in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you could be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving! As well as the kind of this kind of blanket comedy football action, Nick, there are mo- certain moments, particularly in recent football history, that have been defined as bloopers. Uh, King Yusuf writes in and says... Phil Babb sliding into the goalpost at Anfield against Chelsea in what I think was 1997. Uh, that's that's earned its place in 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 the, in the, in the kind of pantheon of, of comedy football moments uh, in inverted commas. Carl uh, Hendrick also suggests David Dunn's Rabona catastrophe is now a seminal football blooper. Yeah, which is sort of enhanced by the uh, the Sky footage cutting directly to Steve Bruce chuckling away <laughs> in an avuncular yes. manner on the sideline. Um, Steve it, Bruce. <laughs> That that's that's what um, the 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 David Dunn failed Rabona is what I instantly I call to mind, and I don't know I don't know if this predated it, but what inst- I instantly call to mind when I think of Match of the Day twos too good too bad may well have been the inspiration for that may well have been before that was a thing, but that's I think that it was seems- in the opening credits to They Think It's All Over. I think it was. It, it appears in the opening credits for something. I just can't remember what it was. Um, um, I thought it was the opening credits for too good too bad right because surely the oh, David maybe. Dunn Rabona was after they think it's all over I think they think it's all over as being a 90s thing and I'd I just imagine... don't think of too good too bad having credits I thought it was just a segment in a show uh-huh. I mean these, these are technical details but also very important it, it could have been third, it could have been uh, could it have been on Soccer AM like on I mean I'm sure yeah. it was on Soccer AM at one point yeah, but soccer, right. I know from I know from you should my know own, you wrote 8,000 yeah. words on Soccer AM I know from my own work on Soccer AM that um, the, you know this was a huge part of the power of the show mm. back up until about 2005 was that it kind, it almost replaced the own goals and gas video as the place where you would go and see like stupid things happening bad misses like good goals if that was your thing but more often like bad football and they would and they would kind of aggregate and they would filter the best the best yeah. bad moments in the last week of football on Soccer AM and that's mm. why you'd watch it for the taxi section third eye but then, like, the rise of the internet obviously uncuts Soccer AM because you can now watch bad football anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe it does dilute the dilute the appeal of it. Maybe Soccer AM was the last point where you can consider these clips to be to be gold. You'd never have been able to see them elsewhere. Um, I want to touch on Nick Hancock's um, series of videos for the last time uh, here, Jack. I feel like it has two enduring cultural legacies in the form of, of, of two very... 
well, not very well-known players, actually. First of all, Noah Hickey, who is a New Zealander who played to a decent level in his career, but will only be remembered for that ridiculous miss, like one of the worst misses I've ever seen. And yet um, Nick Hancock called him Noel Hickey um, repeatedly in the video to the point where on his Wikipedia, Wikipedia page, it actually addresses that error, and makes, makes very clear that his name is Noah Hickey. Um, so that's the first one. And then, of course, the king of football bloopers, which is Peter Devine. Yeah, so Peter Devine, I actually don't know who he played for, but he's taking a penalty. I think it's in a shootout rather than in, in the Lancaster play. City. Right. Is it in a shootout? Yes. And he's... Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> Maybe it isn't. Yeah, I think uh, it is in the shootout. Yeah. Yeah, there's no players uh, around him. There's no players around the box, either. And he stumbles towards the ball... And he basically trips in his run-up, stumbles towards the ball, and I think like shins the ball about three feet away from himself. Mm. It's really, really, really bad. It's like it's like categorically worse than a badly hit penalty. He doesn't really hit the ball at all. And this was probably like the the kind of centerpiece of the whole football nightmares football nightmares video. And certainly anyone who has seen anyone who has seen it will be very familiar with with Peter Devine. Again, I, I, I don't know anything about his, his career before or after that moment. Oh, and well... The, we should try and find uh, out. Oh, trust me. Um, uh, Nick, how would, you, how would you feel being Peter Devine? I mean, I mean, you're not particularly famous, but to anyone who does know you, they will only know that thing that happened to you. You, you must sort of develop a sort of a, a, a sense where you, you can, where if you, you know, you're sitting in a pub or something like that and you clock someone across the room who's just got that look in their eye. But no one who, would know what he looks like. It's all down to his name. If, if only he was called like John Smith, no one would ever, 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 ever link him to that event. But at some point he's going to have to introduce himself as Peter Divine, and someone will go, ding, <laughs> and that's that moment. And there's, you know, if, of a certain demographic, I reckon there's about 85% chance they would have watched Nick Hancock's football hell or football nightmares they're gonna know who he is i suppose it would be easier to explain explain that kind of thing to someone uh you know a younger person who is kind of familiar with the concept of someone going viral for something you know something absurd that they've done that isn't necessarily reflective of their overall character (laughs) there's a great moment in football hell which must have come after football nightmares i think where they show the clip again and nick hancock actually says ah the video maker's friend i love you peter divine (laughs) oh yeah the the moment where the where the genre became self-aware that's good um (laughs) uh, final word on peter divine uh, he went on to own a bar in the costa del sol uh resort of benel medina and it was called divines so uh, yeah, we should. We should. I don't think he he no longer owns it, but it is still called Divines. Uh, that's the latest information I can give you on the whereabouts and fortunes of Peter Divine. Moving on now to well, kind of this kind of really kind of tepid cross section of this particular genre of football entertainment. Also, nineteen ninety two, which I feel like it was the the anti Danny Baker video, um, the quite notorious release Jack of Vinnie Jones' Soccer's Hard Men. I'm afraid I have to plead ignorance on this. I've no, I don't think I've knowingly seen Soccer's Hard Men, although it's totally plausible looking back that I watched it at like someone's ninth birthday a long time ago, well, and I've completely forgotten about, about it. The thing about Soccer's Hard Men is that nobody's watched it. Uh, pretty much okay. uh, nobody I know has ever seen it. It, it. It's its reputation essentially comes before it. Um, it was released back in 1992 when Vinnie Jones was, was still an active footballer. And um, the, F, the FA took real dim view of this because it, it, it obviously it was kind of like a video nasty controversy for football. It was deemed to be kind of celebrating violent play. He was, he was um, charged of bringing the game into disrepute, uh, fined £20,000, which is a huge amount. 
uh, back then, um, got a suspended six-month ban from football. (laughs) Which is just... um, PFA. The PFA tried to bring an injunction to ban the video, um, but were told that was not legally possible. It's like some kind of footballing snuff film. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, looking at it, it's not that bad. He basically just introduces various various hard men through history. It starts off with Graham Souness and just says how hard he was, and then there's just loads of clips of Souness going into kind of 60-40 tackles and then elbowing Ray Wilkins in the face or something like that. It's it's by no means um, a, a graphic video. You don't see any sort of bones hanging out of legs or anything like that. But it was just, yeah, that is, it's odd to see the kind of football moral code of the early 90s. That was considered... I mean, maybe if he was retired, that might have been all right. But yeah, uh, but that was that was well, the kind of the real controversial moment, I guess, of this. It sounds a bit like the uh, the Lady Chatley trial, like it's just uh, <laughs> something something from a completely a completely different era. Uh, have, you, have, you, have you seen it? Uh, it's it's on YouTube in full. I, I've never watched it in full just because it becomes very repetitive. Because um, it's got it, he he gets like an expert narrator to join him. So the narrator does most of the work, and then it's just cut to Vinnie Jones sat in an incredibly dark room, just saying, "Yeah, he's really hard. He he, he, he didn't back he didn't back down." Um, and then just just essentially use saying those sentiments over and over again. Um, there are other kind of tangents we can go on here. Uh, 1997's Zoe Ball's soccer studs. Nick, are you aware yes, of I- this work? Uh, I was vaguely aware of it. I did. I. I. I, I haven't watched it. I'm not sure whether uh, it's still available, but I have read up on it. No. Various people on Twitter claim to have the VHS tape, but as with all people who own VHS tapes, don't have the means to play a VHS tape. So uh, we'll never ever find out what is on Zoe Ball's soccer studs. The gump on the back of the video says invites us to join Lee Sharp at the pool, Ian Wright at a photo shoot, and Ryan Giggs and Eric Cantona at a swank premiere party. And Zoe Ball selects her tight bum 11. Tight bum 11. Yeah. It's, um, that's that's where you know. we got to in 1997. 1997 was clearly the incredible sweet spot for for low rent football chat. Um, just just to make just just to absolutely solidify this this um, this product's place in the cultural pantheon. Um, the the writer that was hired to do the script for this also appeared briefly on Chucklevision. <laughs> Had a cameo on Chucklevision. So. So that's sure. the level of expertise and and uh, that, that went into this. It just seems like someone in a room somewhere just kind of was watching. Do you, do you remember the Girly Show? It was a late night Channel Four kind Not of, really. but basically as a sort of a version of the word for kind of the <laughs> ladette market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like someone was sort of sit, um, rolled in from the pub and saw that and <laughs> then thought, oh, there's football tomorrow, and a little light bulb went off in their head and goes, we yeah. should make a tape for the ladette. And I suppose this was kind of Spice Girls' sort of breakthrough era as well, so I guess this all fits together mm. um, quite well. Um, Jack, along the same sort of period, there was High, Wide and Hanson, um, and the tagline for this was particularly nonsensical because uh, at the top it just says soccer's most hilarious moments diabolically, and that's it. <laughs> wow! But that it also really... features top impressionist Kevin Connolly, who I've never heard of. That also seems like kind of at odds with the Hanson, the Hanson persona, like Hanson's grumpy, you'll never, you'll never with anything with kids attitude. Yeah. Like it seems like he's kind of breaking character to do a banter video. Yeah, maybe someone sort of had a little quiet word in his ear to say you you you're coming across quite stiff on TV, and you could really if 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 you attempted some kind of rebrand, then you, oh yeah, there are there are there are so many opportunities that could open out for you from there. Here's a little skip through some of the the rest of this. It kind of 
going into the kind of mid 2000s where 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 DVDs really took this on to a whole new level. There was David Seaman's Goalkeeping Nightmares and Jeepers Keepers, which we've touched on in a previous episode. That was followed five years later by David James. Who would be a goalkeeper? James Nesbitt's Eat My Goal, which I th- I think is a candidate for, for the most perfect combination of, of elements here, Jack, because it's, it's kind of slightly light-hearted actor who can do a bit of comedy. It's got sort of absolutely nonsensical football title. It's in the mid-2000s. Um, the cover is just him in front of a really badly rendered goal net. I know he's <laughs> kicking four balls at once, one of which is obviously a generic football. And the tagline is simply, the ultimate football humiliations. Everything about that is perfect, isn't it? As you say, he perfectly fits into that, like, actor who, you know, is famous for acting, but has also, like, is certainly stepping towards being professional sports fan. Like mm. someone who is always there at Old Trafford yes, when it's a big game absolutely. or Northern yeah. Ireland. And he's into like golf as well. And you're, he's, yeah. he's the camera will always pan to him sat with another famous celebrity football fan. Simply read yeah, well, at a United game. Yeah, we're, we're, we're essentially moving into mid to late 2000s here, which is which we can call the kind of soccer aid era where, where celebrities and football kind of merge together. Uh, Nick, there was Mark and Lard's Football Nightmares, Gordon Ramsay's Football Hell, and the cover, wow. of course, is him flambéing a what looks like an Adidas Tango, which shouldn't be allowed. That should, should be some sort of law against that, on the bed of some very tired-looking rocket. And uh, <laughs> football's biggest blunders including all the latest from the Premiership. The Gordon Ramsay video is quite quite interesting because it's one of those situations where you have a celebrity who's known for something completely different. I know he played football, but he's essentially known for something completely different. And they have to kind of shoehorn him into a football context. So they use things like, um, he's just as much of an expert on the pitch as he is in the kitchen. And he's also just about as intolerant of mistakes, which makes watching this carnival of the terminally stupid even funnier. So it's just that it's that kind of reality TV kind of method of having to kind of seek from here's what they do as a regular day job and here's what they're doing now. And uh, you just won't believe it. Um, Elsewhere, Jack, there's Bradley Walsh's Soccer Shockers. Bradley Walsh. Yeah, he's he isn't. He's a perfect candidate for this sort of thing. Ian Wright, of course, brought out his version in 2006 called It Shouldn't Happen to a Footballer. Quickly followed the following Christmas by a sequel, It Really Shouldn't Happen to a Footballer. <laughs> I feel like not much thought has gone into that series. I feel like this was very much like the first phase of Ian Wright as public figure. Uh, because Ian Wright is now like one of the most, I think, one of the best and most popular and respected pundits. Yeah, uh, in the game but when he first came into punditry he was like the banter guy for better mm. or worse yeah and uh he would he kind of bemoaned that reputation at one stage he's he i think when he left the bbc for the first time maybe sort of mid 2000s he kind of bemoaned the fact that he was presented as this kind of comedy figure which i guess it's easy to slip into if, if that's deemed yeah, to be your yeah, role completely. and he kind of kind of raged against it a little bit didn't he yeah and i also feel like it, particularly if you're if you're an ex-player or you're in that in that kind of like if, if you're in that space of making football blooper films and you make mm-hmm. a little bit of money from it and this is probably true of everyone on this list if you make a bit a little bit of money from it with frankly no work uh, mm. then it must be hard to it must be hard to kind of get out of that of that milieu like oh, get I bet out they're of really role. well paid I bet these videos were really well paid yeah. at their height um, absolutely no question about it. I mean it's a, it's probably less work than say writing a book like an oh, autobiography yeah. or a kind of your yeah, take yeah, on yeah. things style book like Love, Joy on Football or something like that. Uh, I'm going to continue this list because I, I, I refuse to leave any any of these out. Gary Lineker's Action Replay, 2007. So he got caught up in all of this. The real low, perhaps, of, of this genre, Nick, Paddy McGuinness's 
all-star balls-ups. Again, it's it's it feels like one of those things that if you... If I hadn't have looked into this before recording this and you'd have said, name me a celebrity from around 10 years ago who presented one of these tapes, then Paddy McGuinness would be sort of top of the list of those things. Just a sort of, you know, avuncular um, kind of slightly banterish famous person who has some kind of loose connection to football probably so, so but but was the was the mcginnis video was that kind of of, of the type what, what, what was was there a yes kind of- i mean i mean it tried to be a little bit more creative there was some sort of setting in and amongst all these silly clips but there there is um there, there, there's a clip in in this particular thing that really perhaps must be the lowest point in football culture that i know of which is him walking into the toilets of a of a stately home and he's confronted with chris kamara polishing a trophy but out of sight then it's alan McAnally polishing his trophy and then paul merson looks round, and it appears he is not polishing his trophy he's doing something else if his face is to be believed and that that is the joke paul merson wow. is is wanking that's the joke <laughs> fucking hell um, Amazing. So that's Paddy McGuinness's All Star Balls Ups, 2007. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday, and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel, and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. Where do we go from here? Well, I'll tell you where we go from here. We go to, we go to Lovejoy and Redknapp's Best of Football, 2007. Uh, I'm sure you'll like this one, Jack. Ray Winston's Football Blinders and Blunders, 2008, which sounds made up, but it's not. Wow, yeah, yeah. So Ray Winston, again, very much in that J- Jimmy Nesbitt space. The other ones I was thinking of would be, uh, like, Danny Dyer. I don't know if he actually did a yeah. blooper film, but he's, he's again, oh, another he Western. He did Danny Dyer's football foul-ups, followed by Danny Dyer's funniest football foul-ups, which, which to me makes it sound like they've undersold the first one and left all the good stuff for the second one, which um, feels a bit cynical. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of, uh, I mean, I'm not sure we've really done this on a different podcast, but Danny Dyer's Real Football Factories and the Real Football Factories mm. International are actually really good. But, <laughs> in, uh, in an I, ironic sense or genuinely? No, 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 no. no. The, the, I really like I'm I, sure I, we I, do. I, I found, yeah, me neither. I found them quite, I found them really <laughs> interesting. But um, I think with, I, so I can imagine that he's got the skills to bring to this sort of thing I imagine he'd be better at it than like Gordon Ramsay it got to the stage Nick where some of these videos um, began to gather critical I won't say acclaim just just responses uh, 2011's Ollie Merz's Seven Deadly Sins of Football got the When Saturday Comes review treatment I'm proud to say uh, here's what they had to say There are those among us who have lived their lives in the shadow of the absence of this piece of film, and for these people it is almost worth acquiring this DVD. Generally speaking, though, if you have £7 and an hour to spare, sponsor a Kenyan donkey and bleed your radiators. Um, The Seven Deadly Sins of Football, I mean, the the format seems quite self-explanatory. I am quite interested as to whether we'd fit lust in. Um, I haven't watched it. It's, it, it, it's on um, poor man's YouTube daily motion, which which I'm always quite averse to clicking on because it's just not as user friendly. So I just simply can't be bothered to watch it. I don't know if he's gone for the classic sins and applied them to football or created his own footballing sins. Or third option, he's gone for really mundane things that he doesn't like seeing in football. I don't know, like, um, I don't know, uh, taking wasting. ages over a throw in or something like that. I hope it's I hope it's that diving. third option anyway. Oh, I bet diving's in there. Yeah, just like comedy diving. Bad um, refs. Uh, moving on to uh, Robbie Savage's Football Howlers 2011, 
which uh, the same reviewer in When Saturday Comes um, says, Savage does not so much deliver lines as survive them. Um, <laughs> here's the evidence. I'm Robbie Savage, and this is Football Howling, full of football's funniest moments. Ooh! Smash it on DVD now. How much do you want to watch Robbie Savage football howlers, Nick? I mean, the voiceover presumably is just him making those noises and saying kind of stock <laughs> phrases throughout. Just, I mean, it, it's in in some ways it kind of harks back to the 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 purest form of the genre, the the original mm. Baker video, where there's no high concept to it. It's just Savage making noises. I assume yeah. that's what it is, based on the evidence available to us. As this genre sort of slight, slowly parachuted to its death, and and DVDs as a whole just became slightly obsolete. Um, Jack, would you would you dare to hazard a guess as to who presented what seems to be the last ever football comedy DVD, at least of this format? The last ever football comedy DVD. Yeah. Wow. If you can venture so, a guess about where, what area of society they may have come from as well. Okay, so I'm going to guess it would have been, let's say, 2015-ish. And Close. In terms of area of society, that yeah. makes me think it's not like a ex-player, and it's also not an actor who is sort of professional yes. football fan as yes. well. So if it was from a different area of society than either of those two... Um, I think I'm, what I meant to say was a different sphere of entertainment, perhaps. Different sphere of entertainment. So if it's not if it's not an actor, or I imagine that also means it's not a comedian or a musician. Correct yeah, me if I'm correct. wrong. It's good. Um, what about someone who's like? It's, it's not a politician, is it? <laughs> no, no, definitely not a not. politician. Not no. a not a writer. I would imagine. No. Uh, not. What other spheres of entertainment are there? Esports. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Social media, like YouTuber. Uh, no, it must be too soon for that. Yeah, you think you're too clue. outside of the box. I, I offer you Towie's Mark Wright. That's Towie's Mark Wright. The okay, there you go. Yeah, that actually does make perfect sense. Yeah, yeah a reality he fronted TV football show. saints and sinners in 2012. Well, he's um, a uh, he's a former he's a former non-league footballer. Yeah, he's got the kudos of actually being quite good at football and, has and been also involved being at, nice to look at. Yeah, and has been involved uh, at Billericay and Romford with Glenn Tamplin. But uh, yeah, I'm that's, so glad that's you a got great shout. so glad you got Glenn Tamplin in because I worried that you were going to come on for another episode and not mention Glenn Tamplin. I was slightly concerned for you, but so I'm glad you've done it. Um, but so this this genre as a whole, Nick, what does it mean for the way that we talk about um, football in a light-hearted sense now? Because we we have established, as it was fairly obvious, that these football bloopers videos can't exist anymore for technological reasons, for for cultural reasons. They just simply don't belong. But then you, as Jack alluded to at the very very start of this episode, you have things like um, at crap nineties football, which I think keeps the spirit alive of, of of the original intent of these videos, which is to low key celebrate football craps without going too overboard about it yeah just in a sort of more bite-sized form and the, the thing about crap 90s football is that it isn't the uh, a, a lot of the things that you, you i certainly won't have seen before and again we you come back to the workload of someone who is trying to find all these these things obviously slightly more slightly easier in the uh, era of the internet but the there is this there's a certain sort of freshness to it in that even though these things are 25 years old they're kind of so obscure um you know some goldmouth scramble from rochdale against berry or something like that <laughs> that you can enjoy them and uh with without the sense that you've seen them 20 times before we're obviously now in a post football blooper dvd phase um 
the best way to look back on this fondly and perceptively is to do a little quiz. I'm going to offer you five um, football DVDs, and I want you both to tell me whether they they are real or fake. And uh, in a penalty shootout style, we'll have a winner at the end of it. First of all, Richard Littlejohn's We Was Robbed, 1996. Uh, Nick, do you think this was real or fake? It feels real. That feels real. Jack, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for fake. He's going to go for fake. Well, it's 1-0 to Nick, because Richard Littlejohn's We Was Robbed was indeed um, a real thing. It was brought out in the um, lead-up to Euro 96 with the tagline, The Laughter, The Cheers, The Tears. And its only review on Amazon, uh, one star, pure Brexit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so that's 1-0 to Nick in glorious circumstances. Second, second one, um, Jack, you'll go first for this one. This is Yuri Geller's Soccer Superstitions, 2002. Real. Nick? Yeah, I'm going to go with real as well. Uh, you've preserved your 1-0 lead, but you're both wrong. Uh, it's fake. Oh. Uri Geller's soccer oh, no. superstitions absolutely did not. You should always be wary of my alliteration, my forced alliteration, because oh, yeah. that's never real. Number three, Razor Ruddock's Dirty Tackle, 2005. Nick? Yeah, 100%. That's, that has to be real. <laughs> Jack? Real. Fake, in fact. Oh. Razor Ruddock's Dirty Tackle, 2005, did not exist. Yeah, it's just a bit too silly. Just a bit too obvious, perhaps. Mm. Um, so Nick remains <laughs> a goal ahead after three attempts. Okay, number four. Piers Morgan, The Good, The Gaffs and The Ugly, 2007. Jack Pitbrook. So bad it has to be real. Nick? I don't think that... I th- in my head, 2007 is around the time he was trying to crack America, so I, I, don't, think that's, I don't think that's true. Don't, I think that's fake. Jack Pitbrook draws level because it is oh, indeed yes. real. Yes. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, he he does cross sports, so he does go into cricket and rugby and stuff. But it is still technically a a uh, football bloopers DVD. So yes, it's one one, and we only have one left. Southern this could death. be monumental. Here we go. Ricky Tomlinson's Football My Ass, two thousand and ten. Uh, uh, see, instinctively, I would say that I ha- that has to be true. But you, you've you, your cunningness <laughs> earlier on in the quiz has kind of thrown me. I'm gonna I'm no I'm gonna stick with my instincts. That's 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 true. That's real. Jack, what do you reckon? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if I say, I feel like for drama purposes, I have to go for a different choice from Nick. Say but what's in your heart. If I go, if we're both right or both say wrong, what's in your ass. then have you have you got any? Have you got like a sudden death round lined up, or would it be a draw? Uh, I can, I can, I can, I can definitely uh, scrape one together. So honestly, just speak from the heart okay. and see where we go. Real. Yes, indeed, you're both right. It is real, and just to prove it, here is the laboured intro to Ricky Tomlinson's Football My Ass. All right, I'm Ricky Tomlinson, though you might know me better as uh, Jim Royal, or Mike Bassett, or that scout skit off the telly. I love me footy, though. I could watch it till the cows come home. Uh, and yes, so that is the intro. Um, that's how bad it was, and I don't think it got any better from there. Um, okay, so so we're, we're, we're dead level, and we need a sudden death here. So uh, I offer you, Jack, Ricky Hatton's Hot Shots, 2008. Uh, that would have been basically peak Hatton. So there's part of me which thinks you would have been too busy boxing to do a video like this. There's another part of me that thinks no, this would have been the perfect time to cash in on <laughs> on his fame and do it. So on that basis, I have to say true. Nick, uh, I get. I'm, I, well, maybe I'm second guessing myself here, but I, I don't think that's real. Jack wins. Ricky Hatton's oh. hot shots is real. I'm delighted yes. to say. Um, yes. Yeah. What a badge of honour, getting this, oh, much like, reading this one. Much like the genre as a whole, you shouldn't overthink quizzes like this. Yeah, um, Ricky Hatton's Hot Shots of 2008. Football's all new gaffs and laughs. 
Uh, this is, again, just just piecing together all the titles from all the other ones from ten years previously. And, and but the bold claim that they're all new, as if they got some sort of exclusive deal on them, includes the funniest howlers from Premiership, International, and Sunday League. So that's Ricky Hatton's hot shots. Um, wow! Well done, Jack. Congratulations. I'm I'm really pleased. I was really yeah. devastated that I couldn't do the quiz that you did with Ollie and George. What was it about again? Was that shirt sponsors oh, Chevrolet? Oh yeah, no that that was a uh, yeah well, that was just the big football quiz for the big football for quiz. when yeah, football, yeah. football had its downtime. We'll do another one and you can you can be on it. I promise. I'm delighted to have won this. Yeah. This means a lot. We'll finish with a few contributions from our listeners. As who would front a football blooper DVD in 2020? If we brought back the genre, who the hell would be available for this sort of thing? Matt Browning says Jimmy Bullard's balls ups, which feels a bit 2015 to me. Nick, I don't think that quite qualifies. Yeah, well, I don't know. He's isn't he? Doesn't he present Soccer AM now? Or he's he's on he's yeah. on it regularly. Yeah, he does. But yeah, but yeah it, it it does feel a little bit um, out of date. Great to hear our Soccer AM correspondent just chirping in there with a the confirmation. Thanks, yeah. Jack. Um, yeah. Joe Martin says Rob Beckett's biggest footy blunders. That sounds like it could easily be one, Jack. Who's Rob Beckett? Exactly. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. That's confirmation. That's what we needed. Um, Notorious DHB says Peter Crouch's football farces. Uh, while Ross Tyson also suggests banter balls and bicycle kicks with Peter Crouch. Crouchy, I think, has probably transcended this now. He's just too successful to bring out a football blooper DVD. Although, Who's in that kind of space now? Mm. Like, recently retired ex-pro who is, like, funny. And I'm trying to think. I don't really know. Uh, Jamie O'Hara is good on soccer. Is, sorry, it's very good on talk sport, but I think he's probably better than this. I know he's I he's very much not retired and and presumably very much doesn't need the money and um, you know has has been quite successful in his day job recently. I think Thomas Muller could be a candidate for this <laughs> at some point in the future. I th- I th- you know, he's. I think we're barking up the wrong tree here. We look we're looking at mid-ranking comedians. That's where we should be going. That's where the that's where the true spirit of this genre exists. Here's one, and I don't really want to kind of park my tanks on Jack's lawn here, but Wayne Lineker. It's kind of he has this <laughs> he has the, the, the combination of a sort of tenuous connection to football. He's a sort of inherently ridiculous figure. Feels like he could present it from outside Lineker's bar. You know He could do the sequel to Gary Lineker's action replay from two thousand and seven. There you uh, go. Perhaps a slightly darker yeah. version. Although I've never heard Wayne Lineker actually speak, Jack. I'm 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 not entirely sure that he actually exists. I have. It's it's worth looking up. It's worth looking up. Uh, I think he'd, yeah, he'd be really good. And also, he's like sufficiently famous with the demographic of like, football banter enjoyers mm. and probably football banter DVD buyers yeah. that he could he could front it better than like someone off a, someone off some TV show that nobody watches. Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, some final suggestions. Ross Tyson also suggests Mike Dean's Who'd Be a Ref. And on yes, the cover, he's shrugging with eyebrows raised in a non-official referee's kit from Sondico. Sort of holding up a... He'd have to be holding a red card as well. Mike Dean could easily could easily have done a football DVD in, in the mid-2000s. No, no question. Nye Beveridge, and I think he's pitched this quite well. Jack Whitehall would present one in 2020, and I think it could genuinely be used to torture me. Ross Tyson follows that up with, Stripped and ready for action, Jack Whitehall presents Footy's Rudest Moments. That could work. Jack Whitehall yeah. <laughs> could do a football comedy DVD. I think he 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 sits just in the right part of the Venn diagram. Likes football, is found funny by some people who want to pay nine pounds ninety nine for a DVD. 
And also it would be perfect because a league of their own, which he fronts, is basically the spiritual successor to they think it's all over. So you could mark a kind of like apostolic succession from Nick Hancock through to Jack Whitehall from the you know from the 1990s through to the 2020s he 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 is now the kind of man around whom the the church will be built it's a very very tidy life cycle for, for the um, for this corner of, of football culture um thank you both for joining me thank you to Jack Nick Hancock football nightmares Pitbrook and My to pleasure. Nick own goals and gaffs Miller cheers both see you next time Ooh.